This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. We had some technical difficulties yesterday, so we are coming at you on a Wednesday this week. But as you know, the deal is the same. We are taking a look at opening lines, discussing which bets we like and how we think they're going to move as we inch closer towards game time. Now, before we dive into this discussion, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, to the YouTube channel and ring the bell so you get notifications for every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a five-star review and subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line pod for your chance to win an Amazon gift card. As promised, we are announcing the first winner of that gift card today, which is Jake Lipka. So congratulations. And we will be in touch shortly on social for how to claim that gift. The guys are currently 16, 11, and 1 with their against the spread picks on the podcast so far. Eli, take us through how last week went for you. Yeah, it wasn't great. Wasn't a great week for me. Uh, <laughs> four and six overall, lost with the Patriots on Monday night. And just the oddity of the game itself, because Belichick went into the game saying, okay, you're going to play Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. And Schefter confirmed that report right before kickoff. And then when Zappi comes in after Jones throws the interception on his third possession, his rookie of the year odds after his second touchdown pass crashed, went down from as high as 100 to 1. I believe that was on BetMGM all the way down to 5 to 1. And then it shot back up to around 12 to 1, 14 to 1 after his second interception, I want to say, and the Patriots were, were dust in that game. So not a good week for me and also not a good week if you decided to bet Bailey Zappi rookie of the year. <laughs> Mo, what about you? I had the other side of that one, so Bears were uh, a banger, I think, at plus eight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, problem is I went way too big on the Denver Broncos, though, so that cost me what should have been a tremendous week. I think I just made a little bit, but yeah, was very heavy on Broncos. Broncos uh, in the Circa contest, just all in on Broncos, and just didn't happen. The Jets are just, I guess, the most fortunate slash, I don't know what you, whatever, like, manufacturing W's somehow just when they just aren't very good. I mean, I, they're Sauce fine. Gardner's, if he's going to keep getting pass interference calls to go his way and then they're not going to call it on the other side, then Jets, Jets win the Super Bowl, I think. I think that's the call at this point. I, if you can win a Super Bowl without throwing a forward pass and completing it, then the Jets are going to try because <laughs> they're they're definitely winning so far without that. I don't know how much longer it can last, but it's working week after week and uh, definitely cost me this week. I was definitely hoping Russ would start that game, but still, I, I'll be honest, like, I still kind of think I got robbed on that one, though. That that Zach Wilson fumble to me looked like a fumble. I mean, I, I don't understand how that wasn't a fumble. Yeah. So it, I think that should have been six for Denver. I'm also a little shocked Russ didn't start. I did the injury pod last week filling in for Steven, and we talked about it. Like, I just didn't see anything Russell Wilson went through that would have had him sit the game. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, and I was clearly wrong, but I was – we were all <laughs> in agreement that we really felt like he was going to be starting that game. So – 
Sorry, guys, that that did not happen. All right, we're going to move on into week eight, and we're starting with oh, a really exciting team, one that we love to talk about on this show every single week. <laughs> the Washington Commanders are on the road taking on the 3-3-1 and one Indianapolis Colts after upsetting the Green Bay Packers 23-21. to 21. So congratulations to Eli. I believe that was your bet. Like You did bet on the Commanders last week, and you cashed in that one. Am I correct? Yes, that sounded kind of, you were like upset that I bet on them. You're like, yes, you won. No, no, no. It's just we've, I I can't, it's hard to keep track because I believe we've bet on them like every single week for the last seven weeks. And I know it's been a tough road. So I just wanted to make sure I was giving the congratulations (laughs) where they were due. Yeah, backing Carson Wentz (laughs) and Taylor Heideke for, I think it's six of the first seven weeks of the season, (laughs) truly is something that is not for the faint of heart. Well, hey, it worked out for you last week, and now the Colts have decided to bench Matt Ryan and start Sam Ellinger, and I think I got his name right. Mo and I went through this. If We YouTubed it before we started this, this show, but if I butchered it, I'm sorry, everyone. For the remainder of the season, the line has been back and forth a bit. Eli, I believe you got Colts minus two. Yesterday, it looked like it was back at minus three at most, most sports books. After the Matt Ryan news, where's the line sitting now? And give us a little more insight on this one. Yeah, it's come down from three back to two and a half. I think this might even get back down all the way to two. But looking at Washington, and and yes, they've won their last two games, but you go back to the Bears game. Bears had a couple red zone possessions in the first half where they didn't score. Justin Fields ran all over that defense. So yes, this is a Washington defense that has a top five pressure rate. Also blitzes pretty often, and they're going up against a Colts offensive line that hasn't protected well and has underperformed in terms of their overall talent. But then you make the switch from Ryan, who had the shoulder injury, and it clearly bothered him in that game at the Titans last week. Uh, Now over to Sam Ellinger, who's a much more mobile quarterback. I know you don't know what Sam Ellinger is as a passer. We've really only seen him in the preseason, but he's still able to get uh, outside the pocket at a lot more efficient rate than Matt Ryan was, considering Matt Ryan is, you know, a veteran 30 plus year quarterback that can't make plays outside the pocket as well as he used to. And then looking at Washington's secondary too, they have a lot about seven yards per pass attempt, which is below average, below league average. And if Ellinger and Pittman and Pierce can expose this Washington secondary and he can make plays outside the pocket, which I think he should be able to, I think the Colts offense will be fine. And I also really like the spot for this game too, for Indianapolis coming off that loss, a big loss for them at the Titans last week. You have teams like the Patriots and the Eagles on deck. This is a must-win game for the Colts. So if Frank Reich relies on Jonathan Taylor and Ellinger can do what I think he can against a an exposable Washington defense, even though they have some pretty good pass rushers, Colts offense should be able to put up some points. On the other side of the ball, I think you're going to get a max effort from the Colts defense, again, considering the spot. And while Heineke Played well last week, besides the pick six, I guess you could say, uh, in that first half against the Packers. He still is worse against zone defenses than he is against man-to-man coverage. And Gus Bradley and this Colts cover three defense is coming together a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. Obviously, that's going to happen with a new defensive coordinator. So, I like the Colts. Uh, You can get this at minus two and a half as of Wednesday afternoon. And I think they win this game by around a touchdown. I know Steven got... Washington plus four, but I think this is a a big spot for the Colts, and I think they come through in it. 
Me personally, I just, I don't know enough about Ellinger to bet the Colts here. So this is going to be a pass scenario for me. But Mo, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are Eli is very brave. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if Ellinger meets the threshold. That's what we always talk about on Gridiron Gamble podcast when we're doing our picks. And believe me, Backup quarterbacks are very popular among the Gridiron Gamble team. I think uh, boss man Brett, nobody loves backup quarterbacks more than him, not even Eli. Uh, That being said, like we always say, there's a threshold where, like, if you meet it, it's fine to bet this backup quarterback, right? Like, you know, I guess somebody like, I don't know. I'm trying to think who have been the good backups that are like always covering like Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy is like, but he's like started games too and, and been good. You know, there's guys that you can plug in. I think Taylor Heineke is definitely like, you know, he's above threshold. Once again, he's guys who started games and won. I don't know if Sam Ehlinger meets the threshold. He might be really, really bad. He might be one of the quarterbacks that you put in the game and you have no shot. So, um, I thought when I was watching some of that Commanders Packers game, it's definitely concerning to watch this Washington secondary. This is a bad group of Packers pass catchers. I think I saw three PIs in that game by Washington's DBs. They can't even guard Robert Tanyan, who's not the most athletic guy in the world and now tore his ACL and and is probably less athletic now. And they they still were like having trouble staying with him down the field. Uh, so if he does meet the threshold, I do think um, they can they can score points here. I, I I think Eli's bet is good at minus two for sure. I would congratulate him for getting a good line there. I do think three is like kind of I think that's a fair price. I like Eli's bet and Steven's bet. So Steven has Washington uh, and he got four. So I think it's fine if you got the good number either way. All right. Now we are going to move in to the Dolphins who finally have two back and ended a three game losing streak with a 16 10 win over my Pittsburgh Steelers. The Dolphins will face the Detroit Lions on the road as three point favorites. And Mo, you like the Dolphins here. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Minus three on the Dolphins. I thought that was completely bananas. Looks like the market thought that too. It's looking like it's three and a half everywhere now. That's unfortunate if you really want to get the Dolphins at a good number. But that being said, I could see some good injury news coming in for Detroit possibly later in the week here. It looks like I was basically assuming DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown were not going to play here. But it's looking like they could both play. Um Swift, I guess, is practicing, but I think he practiced last week too. I guess, so my whole thing with concussions now is I'm just assuming these guys are definitely out the next game, okay? I don't know what else to think now after that whole Tua desire. I don't think anybody's going to even remotely risk somebody in these spots. So I was just assuming Amon Ra was definitely going to sit, but it looks like he might play. It sounds like they have some optimism he might play. This gets back to three. I think it's too low for the Dolphins, I think. I don't know how Detroit's going to get a single stop here. Um, But the Dolphins are back healthy on offense. This is the third-rated pass offense by DVOA, and that includes multiple injuries to quarterbacks multiple injuries to wide receivers. It includes some third-string Skylar Thompson snaps. 
Um, yeah, I know the Dolphins don't have a good defense, but what are the Lions going to do to exploit it? I mean, they they couldn't do anything against Dallas, and they have not done anything for three weeks now. Um, I also think the coaching mismatch in this game is pretty insane. You have Mike McDaniel, who looks like one of the best coaches in the league already, and facing off just with a clueless Detroit coaching staff, uh, Dan Campbell, Dan the man, has not been the man this year. They can't do anything so far. And and once again, <clears throat> uh, you have a situation where I, I think the Dolphins are going to benefit here a lot from being inside more than Detroit is. Uh, being on the road might not be the worst for them here. There was a minus three and a half, only one of those yesterday morning when we were supposed to do this. And now everyone followed that lead where FanDuel was the only ones hanging minus three and a half. So it makes me a little sad, but I don't know. I still think minus three and a half is honestly too low for the Dolphins. They should they should roll over the Lions, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I watched unfortunately as a Steelers fan that game against the Dolphins last weekend and while the Steelers D played very well there were just to me like so many close calls where that game could have gone off the rails for Miami I mean it was like a Tua misconnection by half an inch balls just off of the hands of the receivers so even though they only put up 16 points Tua still threw for 261 yards I think now that he's back they have that first game under their belt the Lions haven't scored a touchdown since week four. They allow the most points and yards per game. I actually like the Dolphins team total over 27 and a half here. Eli, what do you think about this game? No, that's an interesting angle just to go off with Miami against a bad Detroit secondary. This Dolphins secondary too. I mean, they've sustained a ton of injuries. Now safety Brandon Jones is out. Byron Jones, Mike McDaniel seems kind of clueless about when he's going to come back this season, but with this game in particular, I mean, I mean, you go back to the Steelers game on Sunday Night Football, Nicole. You mentioned that the Steelers defense did play well. They dropped three or four interceptions in the rain. So, Mo, I get what you're saying that that Tua could and this Dolphins offense could get back on track, especially on this sort of a turf. And Tyree Kill should benefit a lot from it too. They have a, a ton of speed at the receiver position. Jalen Waddle as well. Gasecki has been a little more involved in this offense, but I'm still not sold on Tua. And I'm also still not sold on McDaniel because you you go back to that game last week and the fourth down decision on fourth and three, I don't think it was a bad call to go for it, but don't run the ball on consecutive plays. I, he seems a little unsure of himself. It, it seems like he's come from the, the Shanahan coaching tree because he has in that regard in terms of late game or second half decision making. And again, with this Dolphin secondary being banged up, Amon Ross St. Brown seems like he's going to come back from the concussion. So... I don't like Detroit, again, because of the defensive matchup. I also don't like Miami because I don't trust Tua and this coaching staff and this defense as well. I don't <laughs> I don't like either side of this game. So if you want to go with the favorite, all good, Mo. I, I get the decision, but at three and a half, it's it's probably a stay away or it's a, it's a Lions play if, if Swift and, and Brown are in. It's time to pause football for just a second and take it into our WTF moment. What the f***? And this is really just an opportunity for me to give you an update on what's going on in my community and to let you know that the the vegan runner... <laughs> 
and the pettiness of my neighborhood is still going very strong. So um, hopefully we'll be able to throw up this photo for you. But uh, just to let you know, one of the big Halloween decorations now on one of the streets is a giant skeleton cooking meat. Um in the front yard and then another skeleton running past it with a shirt on it that says vegan runner. And I have to give my community credit. They have way too much time on their hands because they went out and got shirts made and the skeletons in a full chef's costume. I don't know where these people come up with the time, but I love a petty person. And so I'm all for this. Yeah. I I respect the decision at the same time. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about as a, as a kid, it's fun to go trick-or-treating, and it, it's fun to see everything out outside of families' houses. I don't really want to be that parent that has a bunch of decorations outside of my house just because it's going to be a pain to clean up. It's I was about to say something else, but I decided to keep it clean. I get it, and I like it from the—if you missed the, the text exchange with Nicole's Neighborhood going back a few weeks, definitely check out that podcast— but in terms of decor- decorating your house and making T-shirts because of the situation, I just think it's a little much and a little extreme. It's something I would spend my time doing. Decorating is difficult. We do put out some obnoxious Halloween blowups. This year, we have a giant pumpkin that is wearing a Steelers helmet, and we had 40-mile-per-hour winds on Saturday, and that did not bode well for said pumpkin when I had to go retrieve oh, wow. him down the street. <laughs> uh, luckily, his wires got caught on a <laughs> bush and he stayed put otherwise he would have been lost to me forever but yeah it's definitely taking it down is not as fun as uh, putting the decorations up mo are you doing anything exciting for halloween maybe depends on uh what we end up doing in uh, las vegas i'll still be there i think it'll be my last night there going for a bachelor party i could see something exciting happening but it might not be shareable uh for this podcast you don't want to come trick or treating in my neighborhood. Is that we? <laughs> you're not. That's not going to be your last night in Las Vegas. If I come doing the rounds. If I come stay there, <laughs> maybe I can come take over Donnie's house, and <laughs> then I can be added to the uh, Facebook group, and and I get the to Facebook partake group, and everything. Yes. And I don't know. I'll get constant entertainment. I could I could use and constant entertainment in my life. As far as Halloween decorations go, I'm a simpleton. I'm a simpleton. It's carved one pumpkin a year. That's it. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen on TikTok, the new hack is to take your mixer, your like cake mixer, and put it in the pumpkin, and it gets all the seeds out. So right. if you're carving pumpkins this year and you haven't done it yet, just take that hand mixer and give it a few whirls, and you aren't going to get carpal tunnel by trying to get all the stuff out of your pumpkin. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, that's our uh, Halloween PSA. It is time to get back into the <laughs> football talk. We have the Packers stunned last weekend. We've already talked about this. 23 to 21 
to the Washington 23 21 loss to the Washington Commanders, and they now go on to face one of the best teams in the league, the Buffalo Bills. The look ahead line was Bills minus eight and a half, and is now Bills minus 11 and a half after that Green Bay loss to Washington. Mo, you like this as a buy low spot for Green Bay? I do. I do. Um, let me see where this one is sitting. It looks like. So yesterday there was 11 and a half. There's even a 12 today. All right. This is crazy. This is crazy, right? I mean, this line was four and a half on the preseason numbers. I get the Bills look great. This was expected. I get the Packers look atrocious. This was not expected. So we're going to move, obviously, well, I guess four, actually. I lied. It was four. It's going to move, but a touchdown? This is this is wild. I think you have to buy ultra low on Rodgers and the Packers here. Even if you just look at last week, you're still getting a better price based on the look-ahead number was eight and a half. I mean, I thought the look-ahead number was good. I mean, I know that they should be big favorites at home off the buy. The Packers are looking poor. I get it, okay? But when you look at the talent across the board on these teams, it's not that deficient for the Packers. Um, as long as Aaron Rodgers' hand isn't a complete mess, this isn't the worst matchup for them. I, the Packers, they, are, they have been absolutely trucked by opposing running games. I think they allowed another 75 yards, something like that, just to Brian Robinson last week. So allowed over 100 yards, surely, to Washington. But what's the Bills going to do? I mean, they're just going to come hand it off. They're not going to do that. If they do, that's a win for the Packers. Um, you want the Bills handing off. Anytime the ball is out of this passing offense's hands, that's a win for the other team. So anytime, I guess, the Bills are, when when they're throwing the ball, it shouldn't, it, this shouldn't be a walkover on the Packers' pass defense. They're still, they're 10th in, Passing offense, EPA allowed. They're 11th in DVOA. And this this projected like a top five offense uh, just based, you know, in the preseason. Everyone, ex or defense, sorry. Everyone expected this to be a top five defense. Uh, the pass rush has been tremendous. It's top five by uh, ESPN's win rate metrics. It's top five by PFF grades. And, and the Bills O-line has been the unit I've been worried about on their offense for sure. And it's been mediocre this year. They're middle of the pack uh, around 20th. So uh, I think a good spot for them to potentially get some stops against a tremendous offense, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I just cannot see how the Packers should be double-digit underdogs here. It's way too high for me. Eli, are you in agreement here? I, I get it from Mo's standpoint, especially when you look back at the look ahead line and the fact that this thing is up all the way up to a touchdown. But then you think about the Rodgers thumb injury. You think about who the Packers could trot out at receiver with Lazard, Watson, Cobbs on injured reserve. Their offensive line is also, you mentioned the Bills offensive line, which I agree with in terms of the way they're playing and, and what they lost in the offseason too. But Allen is exceptional outside the pocket. Rodgers Traditionally is, but again, this receiving core is is banged up and it's diminished in comparison to last season after losing Devontae Adams. And then you're one of your better offensive linemen in years past, David Bakhtiari, is, is banged up. Not sure if he's going to play this week. On the other side of the ball, too, with Rashawn Gary, I, I like the Packers' secondary. They can get run over. I think McDermott will, will play to that a little bit, even though, like you mentioned, 
Mo, the Bills passing attack is obviously their best way to to win any game. But if, if the Packers can't get a pass rush and, and Gary is out, who's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, then it's going to be tough to stop this offense. So I I can't get there with the Packers. I understand it from a number standpoint, but I I just I don't trust Rodgers with the injury. I don't trust this offense to be able to keep pace. Maybe they they cover first half if the Bills do try to run it too much, but this is another game where it's probably a stay away from me. And we are going to finish things off with the Cardinals who are coming off of an eight point win over the Saints in week eight. But New Orleans at least came through for Mo late with his teaser leg. Meanwhile, the Vikings are coming off of a bye week and are in first place in the NFC North. Kevin Stefanski's team is as high as a four point favorite at home. Eli, which side are you looking at? Yeah, so a couple things in the futures market that I have bets on from from the offseason, I have the Cardinals win total under eight and a half. They're currently at three and four. I have the Vikings to win the NFC North at around, I want to say, plus 250, plus 300, somewhere in, in that range. And I still like the Vikings to win the division, but they're they're being priced at their peak market price on the season, considering they're five and one, they're coming off the bye. But you look at their last three games, three and oh, all by one score. They've been outgained in yards per play in all three of those games, so they could have conceivably lost in in each of those games. And while I like the Vikings' offense from a personnel standpoint, and you think about the the coaching upgrade, but Kirk Cousins still has a below-average drop-back EPA, expected points added from a passing standpoint this season. Cardinals could also get a little healthier in the back seven with Trayvon Mullen, former Niners cornerback, and Charles Washington who hasn't played a, a down this season. They could both return this week. Not a good Cardinal secondary, but I also don't think the Vikings offense has performed as well as the market seems to believe because of the record. And then on the other side of the ball, this is a, a shell defense that Ed Donatel runs that can get exposed. And when you think about it, there's positive regression, potential positive regression maybe for Murray in this passing offense. DeAndre Hopkins is back for Arizona, was back against the Saints last week, didn't do a ton, but still adds an explosive playmaker that could take the top off of a defense that is very exposable in that zone setup. And Kyler Murray has performed better against zone defenses in his career than against man-to-man coverage. Arizona's offensive line should also get a little healthier this week, assuming Rodney Hudson, the center, does come back. And the Vikings don't get a ton of pressure either. They don't blitz a lot. That's also the difference between last year's Vikings team and this year's Vikings team going from Zimmer to Donatel. Again, he plays that soft coverage in the zone, and they don't try to rush the passer a ton, and they don't do it efficiently even when they do blitz. So I think Arizona is able to keep this thing within a field goal. Yes, you could make the case that the Cardinals could have lost last week against the Saints without those two Dalton interceptions. Again, a very exposable Arizona defense, but they could get healthier this week. I think Murray's able to make some big plays against this Vikings defense, and I took the plus four earlier this morning, would bet this down to three and a half. Mo, any final words on this game before we take it into our conclusion of the show? This is a tricky one. Uh, it is. I, I I don't like either one of these teams, I think, as much as the market. I definitely think the Vikings are a major fade candidate. I mean, they've been very, very fortunate to, to get where they're at, for sure. That being said, <clears throat> I think Arizona's terrible. I've thought that all year. Uh, Kyler Murray looks atrocious. It's just a spot where I'm not interested in either side, but... 
I did kind of like the Vikings at first. Uh, I believe Eli is up against Steven head-to-head here again. Um, Can't wait. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't call this passing attack explosive. I, I will say that. They, they're pretty... I don't know. This is every time you face the Cardinals to me, it's all about rush lane discipline. Kyler Murray gets lost. If you keep your rush lane discipline and and make him stand in the pocket, he doesn't know what to do at that point. Um, I haven't watched enough Vikings defense, I guess, to know if, if that's going to be the case here. I could see either. It looks like the market's definitely with Eli though. It's coming down to three and a half in some spots and, would I be surprised if I, I guess what I'm saying is I'd not be surprised at all if the Cardinals just won this game. I think I would rather just play Cardinals on the money line, to be honest. But um either side is just these teams are these teams are both fade candidates for me that I don't want to bet on right now. Before we sign off, Eli, I think you have a new podcast coming out, right? So let let the people know about it. Yeah. College basketball season is is almost here. It's it's crazy, and it's been a, a lot. It's been a lot of work. It's been a grind to to start getting ready for this thing. But our college basketball podcast, which will be in this podcast feed, the Lines podcast feed, is starting up on November the seventh. So subscribe if you haven't. Leave a review if you haven't. Check out our Discord as well. I mentioned that I got the Colts at minus two earlier in the week, and you can get notifications on all of our bets, including my my college basketball bets and my futures bets. I have a couple in our Discord channel right now. A couple of my pieces, too, will be coming out next week, my power ratings for top 25 college basketball teams. So, again, it's it's crazy that it's almost here. I, I don't think I'm ready for it, considering baseball is still going on, but at least baseball will be over. And, and also, uh, speaking of the World Series, Mo has his betting preview up on the lines.com and one of his, I think his game one bet for the world series is in discord as well. I cannot believe college basketball is almost here. It feels like we were just in new Orleans for March madness, but you know, it is what it is as always. Thank you everyone for tuning in each week. Eli and I will be back tomorrow with a special guest for this podcast. If you are betting this weekend, good luck with your bets and we will see you next time.